and all he has done for me. My soul cries out, Hallelujah! Thank God for saving me. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Welcome. Praise God. One more time. I don't know if I'm hearing, if I will get to hear. Can somebody, and Sister, Sister Lola, could you un kindly unmute and let us hear something from you? Hallelujah. Not hearing anything at all from She's Sister. Unmute, oh, she, oh, she hasn't unmuted yet. Praise Jesus. Just making sure that we're hearing something from you. Thank you, Lord, that we are connected. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, my soul cries out, Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus, everybody. Praise Jesus. Let me say welcome again to this. Praise Jesus. Let me welcome everyone tonight again as we resume the, our Bible study. Praise Jesus. As we look at the Word of God again one more time. At this time, I'm going to ask somebody on, on the line if, if they could just unmute and open for us in prayer. I see CFMI, Dwayne. I don't know who is um, that person. Can I, can I ask that person just to give us a prayer at this time? CFMI, Dwayne. That's all I can see. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The person speaking. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Need the study of word. Thank you, Lord. We pray that your spirit will. Be here with us, help us to learn something new, open up our minds and hearts to accept your words, your truth. Thank you, Lord. And be with us, be with who will lead us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much. Welcome, welcome, welcome to those who are on Facebook, those who are on um, the Zoom platform, and those who are also on um, YouTube. Praise Jesus. God bless you. Sister Lola, in Jesus' name. At this time, we'll turn our Bibles to Revelation chapter 14. Revelation chapter 14. As we look at the, the everlasting gospel. Revelation chapter 14. 
Thank you, Lord. I tried to read. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him an hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their forehead. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. And they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with, with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follows, follow the Lamb whithersoever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruit unto God and, to, and unto the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him. For the, hour is the, for the hour of judgment is come, and worship is come, and worship him that made heaven and earth, and the sea and the, found, the, the fountain of waters. And there followed another angel, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the third angel followed them, saying, with a loud voice, if any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture in the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And, this, and this, the, the smoke of their torment ascended up from heaven, ascended up forever and ever, sorry. And they have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast and his image and worship and whomsoever receiveth his mark, the mark of his name. There is the here is the patience of the saints. Here are, here are they that keep the commandment of God and the, the faith of Jesus Christ. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, said the Spirit, that they may rest from their labor and their works do follow them. I look, and I look, and behold, a white 
clothes, a, a white cloud, and upon the cloud one that like unto the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him that sat on the, the cloud, Thrust in thy sickle, and reap, for the time is come for thee to reap, for the, the harvest of the earth is ripe. And he that sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the, the altar which had power over fire and cried with a loud voice, with a loud cry unto him that had the sharp sickle, saying, Trust in thy sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her, her grapes are fully ripe. And the angel thrust in his sickle in, into the earth and gathered the, the, the vine of the, the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden without the city and blood came out of the winepress even unto the horse's bridle by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise, Praise Jesus. Praise Thank you, Lord. Let me at this time give another extended um, greetings and welcome to those who might have just joined us because you know we are normally usually a little bit behind time. So let me also give another greetings. Praise Jesus to those who have just joined us. Praise Jesus. If our bishop is there, let me also, amen, say special greetings to our pastor. And, and, and if there's any other pastor or pastors are, are on the platform. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise. Let us, at this time, get our notebook and our pen also, and our good meditation and just go into the lesson as we have another look at the words of God. At this time I present to you the presenter, Brother Hewitt, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Minister. And praise Jesus, everyone. Praise Jesus. Let me also extend my own quota of greetings and welcome to each and every one within the radius of my voice. This afternoon, our topic is the everlasting gospel. We have read from Revelation 14 a number of subject matter, but our focus topic tonight will be the everlasting gospel. Everlasting is defined to be 
lasting are enduring forever. And gospel is a message concerning Christ, the kingdom of God, and our everlasting salvation. The topic subject, the everlasting gospel, is mentioned only in one place within the Bible, and that is at Revelation 14. I'm going to read from verse 6 to 7. And it reads, And I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. And worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. Here it is speaking of the hour of his judgment. And it says, the hour of his judgment is come, meaning it just arrived. Now, throughout this presentation, we will be looking at two Two kinds of judgment which the Bible speaks of. The first judgment having to do with the casting out of the prince of this world. The other judgment having to do with the judgment of the dead. So you might ask a question, what happens to the saved? We are going to see what happens to the saved. We first read of the first judgment. St. John 12, verse 31 to 33. He says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This is said signifying what death he should die. Revelation 20 verse 1 to 3 reads, And I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a mark upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loose a little season. In Revelation 1.18, we see who that angel was. Revelation 1.18 reads, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. 
Then in Mark 3, 27, the Lord spoke. He said, No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. Now we read from Revelation 12, verse 10 to 11. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. So we are seeing that the first judgment was as it were the experience of our Lord casting the devil into the bottomless pit. And we see that he did that by his death at Calvary. And it, this is a fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. He said, I'll set enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and the seed of the woman. He would bruise the Savior in his heel, but his, our Savior would bruise him in his head. And this would have been a fatal thing. And Jesus is saying that you cannot enter a strong man's house and spoil his goods. Save and accept, you first bind him. And it is as a result of our Lord's death at Calvary why souls could be saved for his kingdom. So now that he has bound him, the way is now clear in the advent of the birth of the church when men can now be saved. Now, in Revelation 20, verse 7 to 9, we read, When the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loose out of his prison, and he shall go to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. The number of whom is as the son of the sea, and went, and they went up to the breadth of the earth, and compassed the camp of the saints about. And the beloved city and fire came down from heaven, out of heaven, and devoured them. This is pointing to the fact that when the battle of Gog and Magog is taking place, the saints will be here. But we're going to see when the battle of Gog takes place. Ezekiel 38, verse 14 to 16 reads, Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto God, Thus saith the Lord God, In the day when my people of Israel dwelleth safely, thou shalt not know. And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. And thou shalt come up against my people Israel as a cloud cover the land. Listen this. 
and it shall be in the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land, that the heathen may know me when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes. Why is the Lord bringing Gog and Magog against his people? You would have read in scriptures like Jeremiah 30 and so forth, where God promised that after scattering his people around because of disobedience, he would scatter them into the heathen lands. But after a while, he would bring them back to a great salvation, such as are to be saved. And he promised in Jeremiah 30 that he would deliver them, but not without punishment. And he was going to chastise them with the weapon of an enemy, with the sword of an enemy. So this is what the scripture is pointing to in Ezekiel 38. And this is going to take place in the last days. And he says that at the time when the Israelites is at peace, their enemy is not going to know that it is business as usual, and that's the time they're going to come. When they come, they come with fury. And that's why the Lord said in Matthew 24, I think it's somewhere like about 20, verse 21, he spoke of the great tribulation that will take place, that if he didn't intervene, no flesh would be saved. This is it what the scripture is talking about. So we're going to look at when the, the Israelites receive peace. In Micah 4, verse 6 to 7, we read, But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow into it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountains of the Lord, and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his path. These are the people who were oftentimes stiff-necked and unruly. Here are they now in the advent of the birth of the church. They are now being led. It says, For the law shall go forth of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And that is why when the church began, the Lord said, Begin first at Jerusalem. He says, and he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off, and they shall beat their sword into plowshares, that is, the weapons of war are now becoming implements for, for agriculture, useful tools, and their spears into pruning hook. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So this is the time that peace is brought unto the Israelites, and it is interestingly in the last days. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. This is where we have a division. Such as to be saved will be under the vine because Christ is a vine. Yeah? But the fig tree that was cursed, people who are cursed will be under the, the fig tree. And none of them, none shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. For all the people will walk everyone in the name of his common G-O-D. 
Those that are under the fig tree will walk in the name of his command, G-O-D. And, he, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God, capital G-O-D, forever and ever. We read firstly that when the Lord establishes kingdom, it shall have no end. So from the day when the Lord came into the earth and began his ministry, his ministry continues and will continue until he returns for the church. In that day, said the Lord, will I assemble her that halt, and I will gather her that is driven out, and her that I have afflicted. Even the ones who God punished, he's going to gather them. And I will make her that halt a remnant, and her that was cast far off a strong nation, and the Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion from henceforth even forevermore. When you know when Jesus taught the disciples the Lord's Prayer, one thing that he taught them is thy kingdom come on earth. Well it is here now. Yes. In Ezekiel 34, 16 we read prophecy. I will seek that was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. And we hear in Matthew 18 verse 11 when Jesus came on the scene he said the son of man is come to seek and to save. That which was love. This is actually a fulfillment of Ezekiel 34, 16. <clears throat> but something I want to point out. All of this is scheduled to take place in the last days. The Gog and Magog war will take place in the last days. But interestingly, St. John 6, 37 to 39, Jesus spoke himself about the resurrection. Now we know the resurrection and the rapture takes place together yes we shall not all sleep and you know the, the scripture St. John 6 37 to 39 he says all that the father giveth me shall come to me and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out for I came down from heaven not to do mine own will but the will of him that sent me and this is the father's will which had sent me that of all which he had given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. What I'm actually pointing out here, friends, is that the great war that will take place after the thousand year of Satan being born will take place in the last days. And salvation of the saved will take place on the very last day. Jesus promised that I'll be with you unto the end and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached unto the end. So this idea about a pre-tribulation rapture is unbiblical. Neither here nor there. But here the Lord said, Ezekiel 32, 7. And when I shall put thee out, I will cover the heaven and make the stars thereof dark. I will cover the sun with a cloud. Notice that in another instance when Jesus speaks in Matthew 24, 
somewhere about verse 29 to 31 he says that the stars will fall from heaven on the earth revelation says on the earth but in this particular instance he says when i put it out i'll cover the heaven and make the stars thereof dark listen what happened now that's not the end that is the, the, the last days but something is going to happen here in Luke 23 44 to 46 we read and it was about the sixth hour and there was darkness all over the earth until the ninth hour and the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. We overcome them by the blood of the Lamb. In Psalm 124, verse 8, it says, Our help is in the name of the Lord. If you are not born again and is wearing the name of the Lord, you stand no chance. You say, who made heaven and earth? Ephesians 3.15 said, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. If you're not in the name of the Lord, you are not in the family of God, he shall save his people, Matthew 1.21. He shall save his people from their sin. Colossians 3.17 says, and whatsoever you do in word or deeds, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by him. Psalm 20 verse 1 says, The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Here is another word to confirm the significance of being in the name of God. God is, the name of God defend you in the time of trouble. Now hear about the trouble. In Jeremiah 30 verse 7 it says, Alas, for that day is so great, so that none is like it. It's even the time of Jacob's trouble. But he shall be saved out of it. Daniel's also speak about trouble. In Daniel 12, 1 we read, and at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. In John 16, we read, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me he might have peace. In the world he shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Consistently throughout scriptures, the church is being warned to prepare itself because we will, those of us who have that pass off before the great tribulation, the church will be here during the great tribulation. <clears throat> in Matthew 24, 21 to 22, Jesus spoke. 
For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. We have looked at a number of parallel texts in the Bible that together support the fact that the church will be going through the great tribulation. Also, that is that, that the church will be taken up and God bring another round of gospel to whoever left on earth. That is false. That's not biblical. In Acts 14, 21 and 22, we read, And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorted them to continue in faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. I want to make it. The point here that these cities that I've just mentioned, they are Gentile cities. They are not Jews. Ancient Lystra was a city of Iconium. It is, its modern name is Kilistra and is located in Turkey. These are Gentile nations. I want to take us quickly through before I invite the minister to talk to us. I want to take us quickly through something to confirm what I'm saying. I want it deeply reinforced. Revelation 8.2. And I saw seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Revelation 8.6-9. And the seven angels which had seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sowed and there followed hail, mingled, hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth, and the third part of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned, and the second angel sounded, and it were as if a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea, and a third part of the sea became blood, and a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, and a third part of the ships destroyed. Revelation 8, verse 13. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. Revelation 9, 13 to 18. And the six angels sounded, and I heard a voice from the forehorn of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loose, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year to slay the third part of men. And the number of the army of horsemen were 200,000 thousand. That is 200 million. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. 
Yeah? And them that sat on them, having breastplate of fire and jacinth and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were the heads of lion, and out of the mouth issued fire and smoke and brimstone. And by these three was the third part of men killed by fire. Third part of the earth population, you know. And by smoke and by brimstone, which issued out of their mouth. The question I ask, where are the saints during that time? Revelation 10, verse 5 to 7. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, lift up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created the heaven and all things that are therein, and the earth and all things that therein, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he had declared to his servants the prophet. What is a mystery? 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 53. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment in the twinkle of an eye at the last trump. For the trump shall sound and dead shall raise incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So we are counting down all along to show that when the church leave here, it is the wrath of God will be pouring out. And so people, we are inviting the church to prepare ourselves to go through the bridge tribulation. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 24 said, But now is Christ risen. Now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that sleep. For since by man came death, and by man came also the resurrection of the dead, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Listen this. But every man in his own order. Christ the first fruit, after that they that are Christ at his coming, then come the end. After Christ, then those that are Christ, those that are born again, in Jesus' name, and become a part of the family of God, then come the end. This is, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to his father, even the fa to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. God, Jesus is going to destroy all life on the earth. After the church. Ephesians 1 verse 10 to 11. That in the dispensationary fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Both which are in heaven, which are on earth, even in him. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who work all things after the counsel of his own will. Yes? I don't know if it is time for me to pass now, Minister. Can't go a little more. 1 Peter 1, verse 4 and 5 says, 
Listen this carefully, brethren. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Listen again. To an inheritance, we who have been predestinated by God, we are now going to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that faded not away, reserving heaven for you. Who denotes people? Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be re revealed in the last time. If you say that a man can lose his salvation, then you are challenging God's authority because God undertakes to keep us by his power. Hear what Hebrews 10, 14 to 17 says. For why one offering he had perfect forever them that are sanctified. Forever mean forever. God has perfect by one offering them that are sanctified forever. Verse 15. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. If you have the Holy Ghost, you are perfected forever. For after that he said, he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, said the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds, and I will write them that they, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Those are strong promises, saints. And I'm suggesting that we begin to digest these. It's coming from God and it's not questionable. It is truth. Ephesians 2 verse 1 and 2. Hear what it says. And you had equipped who were dead in trespasses and sin. Where in time past he walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the ear, the spirit that now worked in the children of disobedience. In Psalm 80, verse 80, it says, So will not we go back from thee. Quit us, and we will call upon thy name. So, I read again, so will not we go back from thee, quit us, and we will call upon thee. Once the Lord has quitted you, he put his spirit in your heart and in your mind and make you to have an abiding desire, an abiding undertaking, an abiding commitment to serve him. Of course, we are human and we slip in human errors, but there is a process to treat with that. But you are now new creature, different from the Adamic person you used to be. In Psalm 71 verse 20, it says, Thou which has showed me great sore trouble shall quit me again and shall bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Friends, it's only two times a believer is quitting. You quit all just when you are born again. And that quickness said, the anointing, abide. It can't leave you. It stay forever. And when you pass from this life and you are deceased, 
those who are raising from the, the grave is quick again. Hebrews 6, verse 1 to 6, is something we want to look at. There is a belief that Christians who are born again should repent again for offenses. The Bible doesn't teach that. Hebrews 6, verse 1 to 6, I'll read it for you. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, <coughs> of the doctrine of baptism, and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Continue. Uh, yes, ma'am. Continue. And this will we do. <coughs> if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have taken of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance. Seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh, and put him to an open shame. Thank you. What the scripture is saying, friends, is that it is impossible for you who were once enlightened and taste of the heavenly gifts. Firstly, you can't fall away. It is impossible. And I'm going to show you why. And since you cannot fall away, you cannot renew yourself again because you need Christ to die again. To renew you unto repentance. It cannot be done. And I'll show you further reasons. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. God no longer look at an individual righteousness because to God is filthy rags. Once you are born again of that incorruptible seed, God keep that. He said your life is hidden in Christ, in God. God keeps it. And assign to us wisdom, God's, the wisdom of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the sanctification of Jesus Christ, and the redemption of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he had made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Once you are in Jesus Christ, you are now the righteousness of Christ. That's what the word of God says. Romans 4 verse 8 said, Blessed is a man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. What do we mean by that? To impute is to say that someone is responsible for something that has happened, especially something bad. If I commit a felony and it is imputed to me, I am considered blameful for it and take the responsibility for it. But the scripture says God will not impute. He says, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. 
Why? Because Jesus became sin for us. That don't mean you get away. Romans 6-7 says, For he that is dead is freed from sin. How are you dead? Deuteronomy 8 verse 5 said, Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. David said, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hand of God. If you are stubborn, God will chastise, will melt, one time he said, will melt them like silver. You have to change. He knows how to save those that are his. Hebrews 12 verse 78 says, If he end your chastening, God deal with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if he be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are we bastard and not son. So to the children of God, he first purge us, he give us a conscience. First Peter 3.21, the life figure we are into baptism doth now save us. Not the putting away of the filter of the flesh, but the appearance of a clear conscience towards God. Having done that with us, he allows us now to first be judges of our own self. He also allows our brethren who is supposed to be our brother's keeper when they find us in fault to bring to us. And if even that happens, didn't happen, he himself will signal us when there are conditions in our life. And I'll show you later on what he expects. Isaiah 55, 3, he said, Incline your ear and come unto me and hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Once you come to the Lord, the covenant to which you are entered into is everlasting, is unbrokenable. When you commit trespasses, God does not cast you out of his covenant because if you come out of his covenant, you can't come back. So that doesn't happen. Titus 1 verse 2 said, In hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. If God promised you eternal life before the world began, it cannot be and become yours. God promised you, you are going to get it. But it takes a process and God undertakes as a savior to take you through that process. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he had said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Big talk. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Romans 6, verse 3 to 5. Knowing not that so many of you as were baptized into Jesus were baptized into his death. That's why scripture say, for you're dead and your life is in Christ. Therefore, being we are buried with him by baptism into death. Like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Hear this one. 1 Peter 1, verse 23. 
being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. In other words, your new birth is of incorruptible seed. And that life is hid in Christ and is kept by God. The only thing that we have here that can get messed up is the flesh. And Brother Paul said, if you sow to the flesh, you shall have the flesh with corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, it's life and peace. So if I want to live a battered life full of trouble and earth, just don't walk straight in the straight and narrow road. Because anytime I ditch, I'm going to get a beaten. And God will allow the forces of nature to chastise us severely until we come back. Um, Colossians 3.3 3, For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall he also appear with him in glory. Those are the source of words. Those are the words of God. We have to learn to start to appreciate and digest the words of God. So I ask a question. Is the doctrine of eternal security biblical? Is it in the Bible? I'm going to prove to you that it is. Titus 1, verse 1 to 3. I read. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, who is God's elect? The saints. And the acknowledging of truth which is after godliness. In hope of eternal life which God that cannot lie promised before the world begun. But hath in due time manifest his word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Ephesians 1. Verse 11 to 14. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who work all things after the counsel of his own will. God and God alone work out this thing. And when he predestinates somebody to be saved, he means that he's going to be saved. Verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in him. In whom he also trusted after that he heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom after, also after that he believed he was sealed with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of promise. Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. The scripture is saying that when you hear the gospel and you believe you are sealed. And one scripture says you are sealed until the day of redemption. When you seal, you are tamper proof. When God put a seal on something, it can't be tampered with. Yeah? No harm can befall us. Now, first epistle of John, first ch chapter 2, verse 25. He said, and this is a promise that he had promised us, even eternal life. You see, when the speakers run scripture under the anointing and the Holy Ghost is confirming that God has promised his children eternal life. 
because the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Hear this one now. First Epistle of John, chapter 5, verse 10 to 12. It says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God had given to us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Continue. Yes. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not Thank you. life. Thank you. This what happened. False doctrine over time cause well thinking saints to be in a strange way making God a liar. Because anybody believe that the saints of God who have the Son of Christ in him don't have eternal life, making God a liar. <laughs> Deuteronomy 31 6 says, Be strong and have good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he is, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Every born again saints, God will go with them. I, I think we could pause here, minister. I, I'll just pause here, friends, and invite our minister to speak with us. Sir? Okay. Well, um, I've been saying quite a bit, and I, I want to open the, the, the floor now for persons who would want to raise any questions. I spoke about the two judgments. Judgment of the prince of this world being cast out. I spoke of the other judgment, the judgment of the dead. Then I asked a question, so what happened to the saved? I, I just open the floor that persons who wish to ask questions can ask. Sometimes one would say that if you don't feel the movement, you're not, you're in trouble. No, no, how do you um, verify or uh, 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 what would you say about that? Yes, um, thank you for that question, Minister. Actually, what really happens is that. Christians are born again Christians. 
they receive more than one feeling during their Christian life. But they only receive two quickening. You receive a quickening at the time when you are born again, and another quickening when you are resurrected from the dead. No more quickening as such. The anointing which you receive abide and remain. But I'll show you an instance. You remember on the day of Pentecost, all who were in the upper room received the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And then arising from an incident where Peter and John went by the gate beautiful and they healed that lame man. And the whole thing that happened, that they were they calling and threatened and so on. And they got their company together and prayed to God and asked God for boldness that they can speak the word. And the Bible said that the Holy Ghost fell on them again and the place was shaken. So during our Christian life, for example, before you became a minister, you had a different portfolio. You were a deacon. You would have had the infilling that enables you at that stage to function as a deacon. But when you are elevated to the position of a minister, it is a higher calling and therefore God will pour on you another infilling in order to be able to fulfill that, that role. So during our life, depending on how much we make ourselves available to the Lord, He fills us from time to time. So we have more than one infilling, but it's only two quickening. One when you've just been born again and at death. You have another quickening. For the purpose of reference, yes. which scripture you, you, you could use to, to um, support that you get more than one feeling? No, I just quote it for you. Yeah. The incident with the day of Pentecost. Yeah. All the apostles were filled. Yeah, were filled. And you notice what happened, even Stephen, yeah. when Stephen died, you know, the scripture said he was full of the Holy Ghost. He was full, yeah. So, Feeling me you start feeling but you have space. Yeah? But by the time he reached a stage where he was to be glorified, he was full of the Holy Ghost. So is many feeling during the life of a Christian believer. Pardon? Is that a question? Oh, I thought somebody was raising that question. Yes, I thought. Yes, I wanted to ask a question about eternal security. Yes. Praise Jesus, friend. Praise Jesus, sir. According to, I think it's, well, Hebrews and Corinthians. Yes. But Hebrews, Hebrews talks about uh, we should hear more fearless of promise being left. Yes. Yes. What talking about? Well, as we already showed us that once you have entered into the promise, you are sealed. In other words, the, 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 the born again process is a being born again, not of corruptible, but of incorruptible that liveth and abideth forever. So being afraid that the promise left us is before you enter into the promise. But once you are into the promise, it's an everlasting life you are giving you now. 
The gift of God is eternal life. Can we look at the scripture? Because I, I, I think the, the, the context. Yes. Uh, you remember Hebrews where? Hebrews 4 Hebrews what he said? Yes. Yes. The seventeen. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. I'll read and we follow. He said, "But whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcass fell in the wilderness?" And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? Let me pause here a bit to explain something. The first time that God gave the Sabbath was in Exodus 16. When he gave them, he told them that they should remain in their place. It was a physical rest. You remember they caught a man picking up sticks. And they didn't know what to do because it was new to them. And they put him in until God instructed them to stone him. Now, later on in Deuteronomy, Moses told them, You have not yet gotten rest when you go over to Jordan. When he free you from all your troubles. And then later on, he, he said to them again, he, he said, Now you stand here this day, you and your little ones and so on, to be entered into the covenant that God has made with our fathers, that is so by an oath with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the thing is, these people to whom he was speaking are persons who were not yet saved because. To actually be in that covenant, you have to be born again. They were living under governments. They say, schoolmaster, waiting until the arrival of Christ, who is the one who would, because that is why after Christ died, he descended to preach the Spirit, because the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. So these people were waiting. For it and Hebrew talk about those who have died in hope. You see, they did not obtain the promise because the scripture said, They without us would not be made perfect. But they were living in hope until they died. Let me continue reading. Verse 18 To and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? But to them that believe not, for we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. The promise, he said, let us therefore fear lest a promise being left us of enter into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. 
It is speaking about the consequence of unbelief. Remember, those of us who are saved is because we believe the gospel. And is, 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 um, the scripture said, that is upon believing that we were given the Holy Spirit and sealed by the Holy Spirit. Is upon hearing and believing the gospel that we are saved. So once you are saved now, it is an everlasting salvation because the scripture said the gift of God is eternal life. So the, the, the principle of eternal salvation. Hebrews says, Hebrews 10 verse 14 said, By one offering, you are perfect for life. One offering. And the epistle Peter read earlier said, you actually make God a liar if you don't believe that he gives it. So these are things that is new to us because we've been hearing otherwise for all these years. God is putting it out. Let me go back to some of the scriptures to refresh our mind what he said here on the, the thing of eternal security. Very, very, I'm glad you asked a question, sir. As I've stated, it's really a journey. It's a journey that the people of God takes to get into the kingdom. This year is cautioning persons who are believers because it is only when you fully believe that you are sealed, you receive the Holy Ghost and you are sealed. It is faith in Jesus Christ that gives us salvation. And once you get the Holy Spirit, the Bible said, is this Holy Spirit of promise that seal us until the day of redemption. And he says that your life is hid in Christ. In God. Let me just share some of the, the verses we just read earlier. Can, can I look at another scripture? Yes, man, sure. Oh, Hebrews 6. Hebrews 6. Uh, uh, yes. Or just. <coughs> 4 2? 6. 4 through 6. Yes. 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 I, I have just gone through it, but we, we'll go back from verse 1. We'll go back from verse 1. Verse 1 is saying, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation, the, the, the foundation of repentance from dead works. Not mean you shouldn't lay that as a foundation anymore. And of faith towards God. Once you come into faith towards God, it should be unshaken. 
Once you are born again, you should never look back about the quest of repentance. He says, verse 2, of the doctrine of baptism, is only one baptism you can have during your Christian life. So once you do that, you remain in faith towards God. You, you, you don't baptize again. And of laying of hands. Laying of hands is an ongoing process that is not only in the receipt of the Holy Ghost, but day by day you, you have prayer being prayed for you and hands are laid on you for healing, for blessing, etc. But the point that we're coming to, he said, this will we do if God permit. Verse 4 now, it says, listen this, for it is impossible if those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and the power of the world to come. Listen this, if that you have to take into consideration. It is impossible if they shall fall away. Come on. You can't fall away because of eternal security. To renew them again unto repentance. He said, leave that and don't go back to it. Because you cannot renew your salvation through repentance again. Notice that everywhere repentance is mentioned in the Bible, it comes with a condition. Repent and be converted. Yeah? Repent and be baptized. This is for beginners. Persons who have not yet tasted of it. Once you taste of it, hear what the scripture said, Philippians 2.13. It's God who works in you to fulfill his good work. He says in um, Proverbs 16, the preparation of the heart is of God. You've gone into God's domain. Is God now going to take the body that come to him and make out of him a material worthy for salvation? Yeah? It is God. Um, 2 Corinthians 3, 5 said, not even to think anything, we are not sufficient. As high as heaven above the earth, so is his thought higher than ours. So when you come to God, you come to God knowing that he is a rewarder to them that diligently seek him. God is going to take you now because he has repurchased you through the death of Jesus and now owns you. Hear what he says in, in, in Hebrews 11. He will never cast away. In Psalm 89, he says, he doesn't alter the words that have gone out of his mouth. Even if you break his laws and if you don't do what he says, he chastises you. But he, the covenant he will not break or alter the things that gone out of his mouth. There's a difference between man and God. I'll show you something. When Noah following the flood, when he became a, a husband man and did his farming and drunk and became drunken. And when his eldest son came in and saw his nakedness, the eldest son, instead of covering his shame, the eldest son went and exposed it to his younger brothers. 
When Noah woke from his slumber and realized what had happened, he didn't curse Cain, um, Ham. He cursed his offspring, Canaan. Why do you think he did that? Whom God blessed, no man cursed. Neither does God alter the things that gone out of his mouth. When God bless you, you are blessed forever. You notice that when Adam, when he made Adam and Eve and when they sinned, he cursed the ground for their sake. But when Cain sinned, he cursed Cain. That's how it is. Once you are saved, but Jesus said it. Hear what Jesus said. My sheep hear my voice. You remember it? And I know them. And they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. They shall never That's the word of the Lord. They shall never perish. So we have to just cling on to the sure words of God and accept them. That's, that's how it is. Can I make a point? Yes, sir, sure. Okay. So my, my book verse 3, chapter 9, verse 27. Yes. It says, When I keep un under my bed and bring it into something, lest that by any means, when I am <coughs> I myself should be a castle. Yes. Verse 27. <coughs> so this is Paul here. Yes. Yesterday, can I help you today? Because that means that we would have turned back 
You know, I, I really, I really glad for this discussion. I, I want to show you a little thing. Turn your Bible to Ezekiel 36. I just want to show you something here. I'm going to read verse 26 and 27, and after that, I'll take it to Philippians and show you something. Is a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you shall keep my judgment. And do them. Listen, the, the operative word here, God is saying, He will cause. Look at Mark 7, verse 21. We're going to read from verse 21 to 23. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders. Theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Look at Philippians 2.13. What I'm actually pointing out here, friend, is that all that you have said is true that we have to perform in a certain standard to please God. But the point I'm making is that we by ourselves cannot. It is, it is God who make it possible for us to do it. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Continue. L look at 2 Corinthians 3.5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Look at Proverbs 16.1. <coughs> the preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. In other words, friends, 
what I'm saying to us here. Of course, God requires desirable conduct. But God set the field. And God's standard is so high that we by ourselves cannot attain it. What he does, he gives us a new heart. We look earlier at Mark 7, 21 to 23. That failing man has nothing good. 13 evils we, we, we identify within the heart of man. And by ourselves, we are hopeless to be able to achieve that. This thing about our goodness and our choice and all that is neither here nor there. It's not us choose. Jesus said, it's not you choose me. You don't make choice of me. As a matter of fact, you don't own anything. You don't have any right. You are a fallen creature. Is he in his goodness? Pardon? Could you? Yes, sir, sure. Yes. Right. Remember what happened to Adam and Eve? Yes. What happened? God gave man free choice. So God and God cannot, God will not give Free choice meaning that if God free choice of us, that would not be enough. And God wants us to love it. Right? Remember what happened with King Eliezer? Uh, not remember it. Check again. We, when we reason, you see, on the basis of logics, we sometimes come to opinions that are not biblical. But in the sense of logic, let me raise something to you and, and, and sh share something with you. If you are saying that we have a free choice to choose. Jesus died in the 32. None of us was born at that time. If it is incumbent on us to choose, then what we are saying, admittedly, is that we are without Christ because Jesus died before we were born. But we're saying more than that. We're also saying that all the sins that we had from we were born until now, we are walking with them, happily going to hell with them. Because the thing is, if Hebrews said, where there is no shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And Jesus died before we were born. So if it is incumbent on us to choose, 
to be saved. You are saying that we're not saved and we'll not be saved. Don't you see that that doctrine come from hell? Yes. Why you say that? Why you say that? Remember back in the time when Jesus was born. Yes. 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 No, you missed the point of Becky. No, the, the point. No, let, let, yeah. It's by our faith. That's why we need faith and faith. Jesus, we by faith and the word of God. We believe that so, the, the Bible says is the word of God. I, I'm glad you said that, sir. Where you get the faith from? May I come in? Yes. May, may I say something now? The, the faith to which you speak has to be a gift from God. By grace are you saved through faith. Finish it for me. It is a gift of God, not of works. Let's say the man should boast. Salvation is a gift from God. No, but I'm saying the faith to which you speak has to first come from God. I thank you, sir. You make me do. I thank you. Yes. Yes. No, I agree with you, but the point I make, which I would like you to look at, is that in your process of salvation, God undertakes never to leave you nor forsake you. Yes, but then you have to pay attention to that because it is He who works in you to do His will. You by yourself can't do it. God does not leave us, but He 
How you going to leave God? Who am I holding my hand? No man pluck out. How you going to leave him? How you going to do it? It means. No, no the Bible tells you, Hebrews said, you know, those who leave never belong to it. The ones who leave never belong. If they were belong, they would remain. <laughs> we, you see, to, to discuss the topic we are discussing, you see, it, it needs time for us to sit down and take the scripture and read it together. Because yeah, it's, it's, it's really a complex matter. Yeah, that is true. Yes. Uh, but we go back to Hebrews, uh, six chapters. Yes. And it talks about <coughs> Yes. They tasted of the heavenly gift. Yes. They had the Holy Ghost. Yes. You cannot deny that these people were saved. Which people? In Hebrews 6. Yes, which people you're referring to? Quote it for me and tell me, give me the specific reference you're referring to. About the fourth verse. Yes. What the, the point I want you to notice? You see? Verse 4, verse 4 is saying, verse 4 is saying, it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost and have tasted of the good word of God and the power of the world to come. If, bear that in mind, it is impossible if they shall fall away. They cannot fall away. Yes? Then hold on, then hold on my brother. Jesus himself says, Who am I holding my hand? No man pluck out. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, and I know them. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Who are we to question Jesus when Jesus gives that assurance? They shall never perish. That's the word of Jesus. Who are the sheep of God? Go again. Then the question you would have to ask is that who are the sheep of God? The sheep of God are the persons who are saved in Jesus Christ. Those who are born again. Alright, what does it mean to be a born again? What? Alright, was um, Judah a born again? Because Judah, Jesus gave back to Judah. Judah was walking with God. And Judah, as far as we know, between Jesus and it's said he to God. I, I will answer that quick, quickly, sir. Let me go back. But the question just says that, you say the quote is that, on the sheep, Jesus' sheep, knowing him by him. Yes. And they will be followed. Yes. And we are still saying that, who are the sheep of God? And to answer is saying that, the children, the people who are born again. Born again. Yes, I'm going to I'm going to explain. I'm going to explain to you now. To be, to be born again. Hebrews 6 outline. 
that, that is the doctrine of Christ. That having believed, have been taught and believed, and have submitted to the truth of the gospel, and have been immersed in baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus, and have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, and continue to live unto perfection. Yes. Yes. No, that's the point I'm making, say, that Jesus undertakes to carry you. No, yeah, you if, wait, wait. if you're not following Jesus, you know, remember, that, remember, Jesus cannot force you. Jesus does not force you, right? Right now. Right? Jesus force you, yes or no? We can't make assumptions like that on the scripture. That, that is a question you're asking me that you can show me scripture for it, sir. I can. Give me the scripture. And Yes, give me the scripture for it. Because the thing is, Jesus, you put in Jesus' words aside. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me, and I know them, and I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall anyone be able to pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gives me is greater than all. I and my Father are one. These are strong words that we shouldn't argue around. Yes. We're not saying that who say they are is different from who has been through the process. We are talking about a, a, we are talking about a duly born again person who is now named in the name of Christ. Yes, that's what I outlined to you based on the doctrine of Christ. So give me a scripture that contradicts what I said. I give you a whole host of scriptures. Give me one that contradicts what I said. I'm going to give you this Oh, God bless you. Come back. Come back next week and we can talk about it. Yes. And I understand what you're saying, you're saying. Yes. But the point that we're trying to make is that it's not we have to continue. If we do not, if we stop following God, we cannot, we cannot be saved. No, I agree with you a hundred percent. What I, I said earlier, I said earlier. That is not me keep me, is Jesus keep me. Jesus is the one who takes me through the process of salvation. He promised to bring me out. You, do you agree with that? Do you agree with that? Yes. And once Jesus is keeping you safe. Tell me the boat. No, you promise to come back next week. No, I'm looking at one Yes. First Corinthians what? 
Yes. Let me find. Let me find it with you. Let me find it with you. Nine verse what? Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Yes. Nine. And put <coughs> Yes. 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 No. Hear what this is saying. Hear what this is saying. This is supposed to be the mindset of every born again Christian. Once you come into the knowledge and the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're supposed to depart from evil when if you err, if you slip into sins by error, you're not supposed to have a mind to go back to where you're coming from. But it's God made that possible for you to do it. It's God working you to do it. That's the point I'm trying to make, you know, that is not me. Because if it's me, I've gone back to the beggar elements a long time. I can't keep myself. Through Christ. Through Christ, which strengthened me. Yes. But I beg you, I'm expecting you to come back next week and come prepared. We can talk more enlightened discussion. Because you see, when you, when you argue and you just have your base and opinions, then we argue for the whole night and we don't agree at anything. But when you give me the scripture, like you just brought me to a scripture a while ago, see if you can come back with some more scriptures that contradict what I was saying. And remember, and remember, and remember, and remember. Yes. Yes. Of course, I agree. Remember, Fran, you said that I agree that Christians, Christians, Christians must work the work of righteousness. But I'm saying to you, I'm saying to you that we can only do it through God enabling power. That's the point I'm making. That is God working us to do it. I'm not contradicting that. But if you don't contradict that, then you agree with me all the way. Right, I'm just trying to say that we are working for ourselves. Of course, I agree. Yes. Yes. Yes, man, we have to work. We have to work the work of righteousness. In fact, God has committed the charge to carry the button of the gospel to the world. We are the years and successors of the gospel to preach the gospel to every creature. One scripture said, you said, thou shalt not steal, dost thou steal. So we are supposed to be example of the gospel we preach. But the truth is, Brother Paul speak in um, Romans 7. He said, there's a law in our members. You remember that scripture? When I think to do good, evil present itself. Oh, what a wretched man I am. By ourselves we are feeble dust. But with God, all things are possible. And then you leave God out of the mix. That's failure. You cannot without God. And so that's the point we're trying to make. Yes. So we're not, I wasn't trying to contradict you or anything. 
All right. God bless you. Yes. Um, the, the floor is still open if anyone else wishes to make a point. Well, I, I want to invite the minister at this stage to take over from me in Jesus' name. Praise Jesus, praise Jesus. Thank you very, very much, teacher, for having present such a very informative lesson. Praise God. It's very pertinent for this time. And we could go on and on because there's much more questions that I I'd want to, to touch on to her to engage us with tonight, but time wouldn't allow us. Let me also at this time give a, a, another acknowledgement for all those who, were, who had participated um, tonight with us. I can see, um, I don't know that person's name, but I see CFMI. Uh, praise the name of Jesus. We haven't got that name to put to that. I see Los Angeles Shiloh Apostolic Church. Um, Gloria Young, I, I know who that is. I, I, I almost could tell you that she's a couple there. There are a couple there. <laughs> I see Pastor Barzaski and Minister Bailey, our own minister here. Praise the name of Jesus. And, and I also see um, Sister Lola Bogle. I almost overlooked her because her, her writing is so small. And she's the only one <laughs> with her screen open. God bless you. Praise the name of Jesus. Excuse me. Duane, Duane. I'm so sorry, sir. I, I saw Duane, but I over, overlooked that. I'm so, so sorry. Brother Duane, you, you, may, you care to tell us where you're from? Down the road. Oh, down the road. Oh, oh, yeah. Brother Duane from, from, from the Seventh-day Church. God bless you, man. God bless you for participating. Continue, my brother. Let us continue on this path so that we can be enlightened. Praise God about the word of God. Thank you so very, very much. I know that um, Pastor Andrews has to, has to leave as he has, has uh, another engagement. Praise Jesus Christ. I, I'd like at, at this time to hear something from um, Pastor Berzaski and also Minister Bailey. Praise Jesus. I'll take them in that order. Just short, say something to us. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus, Pastor. I really enjoy the teaching. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank um, you, Lord. Minister Hewitt, keep up the good work, sir. Amen. You're doing a, you're doing a fantastic job. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I, I came on and I'm listening and I'm learning at the same time. And I pray God continue to bless the work in Melrose. Thank you, Jesus. And, uh, We'll continue to live for the Lord. And whom he holds, dare any man pluck them out of his hand. Let us stay to the will of the Lord. Let us work the work of him that called us. Let us continue to serve God in spirit and in truth. Amen. We have something good going. God bless you all in Jesus' name. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, praise Jesus. Uh, Minister Bailey at this time. Praise Jesus, sir. Greet, greeting, Minister. Greeting, sir. And uh, Pastor and Teacher and just about everybody that is online. I, I listen attentively. I uh, get uh, a 
God bless you, sir. Amen. Praise Jesus. I, 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 Los Angeles would have been Pastor Angels. I, th I thought he, he left. Praise the name of Jesus. You, 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 you're there, Elder Angels. Elder Angels, you're there. Our, our Oh, I thought. Oh, yes, guys. <laughs> yes, we, we spoke to you. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, yes sir. But, uh, All right. So, uh, thanks, oh, thanks oh. For the yes. Thank God. Yes. Uh, God bless you all. God bless you and family, sir. Praise Jesus. Oh, yes, yes. I think she might want to to say something to us at this time too. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh yes, oh yes. Greetings, Elder Andrews. Praise, praise, praise Jesus. Praise Jesus, Mish. I must greet Minister Hall and all the saints in those meetings to Elder Andrews and all those who are on the line. Greetings. God bless you and Pastor Derizowski. God bless you, and uh, I think our pastors are lying to God bless her, oh, God bless every one of us, God bless the teacher, I'm just, I was listening, and I know that we have a lot to learn, we have a lot to, you know, yes. let the leading of the Lord yes. go on with us. So, let us continue. To work for the Lord Amen. and to read the scripture and to get understanding from Him Amen. so that we can continue to go forward. I like the class, it was interactive. You know, persons were able to say what they have to say and so forth. So God bless you, God bless you, God bless you in Jesus. Thank you so very, very much. That was Missionary Bailey. I, I, I am not seeing Pastor, but if she if Pastor can be would be able at this time to, to say anything to us, uh, I would I'm gladly welcome before I, I take the prayer from um, Sister Lola Bogle in Jesus' name. I haven't seen Pastor appear on the screen at all. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. Maybe she's on the other platform where we're not able to interact. Praise the name of Jesus. But greetings, Pastor Anna and listen. The pastor here in Melrose, Shallow Apostolic Church. Praise the name of Jesus. At this time, um, we are overshoot the time actually that we're scheduled to be here. Praise the name of Jesus. At this time, I'm going to ask Sister Lola Bogle just to take us out of here by asking God's permission. In Jesus' name. Hey. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Savior in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Eternal, mighty, and everlasting power. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we give thanks tonight, Lord, for the words of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your loving kindness Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Can we just say the benediction at this time? No, may the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, may He rest and abide in us now and forevermore. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Thanks again for joining us. Please let us continue this next week. Praise the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God bless you.